You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Myagination Podcast. I'm Alex Miller with the Eagle, joined always by Travis Brown. We're not always dressed like this. We went to a Board of Regents meeting today, so... uh, We're fancy boys. We're fancy. Travis had to renew his membership over there, (laughs) and uh, I had to write about A&M pulling out of its agreement with Qatar, so... The exclusive club that is the Board of Regents meeting. Here we are. So, um... We're we're talking about A and M football and basketball though. We're specifically talking about recruiting and national signing day. Which, look for A and M, there was one big prize left. That was Terry Bussey, Mister Texas Football, and the Aggies went and got him. Travis, you went out to Timpson. Um, it seemed pretty low key and uh, pretty straightforward, from what I could tell. Yeah, uh, you know, for for it being like the biggest. Oops, player left to sign in the in the class of 2024 if you look at most of the sites where he's ranked and just the attention i mean normally those things get streamed on sometimes sports center sometimes you know cbs sports hq or whatever streaming and then there'll be a lot of fanfare he wanted it to be a, a small deal they didn't pull all the kids out of class even though it's like a school of what a i mean it's a two a school yeah, yeah. Uh, school. and and so um ultimately he stuck with his commitment. The backstory there of course is he committed to A&M in spring in the uh, September of uh, 2023 with Jimbo Fisher's staff and everything. And uh, his explanation to why he didn't sign in the early signing period was the fact that he wanted some more time to get to know uh, Mike Elko and his staff and kind of see how the staff developed because, you know, there was portions of that staff that didn't come together until well after the early signing period. Um, So, uh, he never decommitted, which is interesting. Um, you know, most of the time when you talk about recruits who kind of delay their signing, a lot of times that, uh, a, a decommitment comes in there to be able to open up their recruiting. But in essence, with the new early signing period and how many kids usually sign up in that early signing period, if you don't sign in the early signing period, a lot of times that it kind of serves as a de facto decommitment uh, because he did entertain conversations with LSU and with Georgia, really the the, the finalists there. Um, and LSU was end. pushing hard. And LSU was was pushing hard. There was reporters there from uh, Louisiana TV stations that were interested in what he had to say. Um, but he ultimately uh, had the A&M polo under his tracksuit that he revealed um, when it came time to, to ultimately sign. He did sign his intent. He said he didn't let Elko know uh, before what he was uh, well, what he was going to pick that that they found <laughs> out when when he signed so um, that was a little bit interesting but from everything we talked to his guardian who's also the principal there at um, Timpson um, and uh, talked to him and uh, from every indication that I've gotten he's he's a really good kid he's a quiet kid seems pretty um, smart too pretty smart he wants to do engineering. Uh, and, uh, that he, uh, that low key is kind of his default that he is, um, doesn't like a lot of fanfare, doesn't like a lot of the attention, just likes to go out and kind of do his thing. And by all indications, that's exactly how this decision and his, uh, signing his ultimate signing and, and, and decision went. I think this was a big win for A&M on the recruiting trail. I mean, he's the highest ranked player in A&M's class, um, you know, there's been a lot. There's been some people that have wondered, you know, how how high a level can Mike Elko recruit? And finishing the deal on a kid that 
he said during his press conference yesterday, you know, he didn't even meet him until he got to A&M because he had left before Bussy really came through at that cycle. And, uh, you know, with LSU breathing down A&M's neck, not to mention LSU had nabbed like at least four A&M commitments that decommitted or flipped uh, after Jimbo Fisher got fired. I mean, that was a that was a big one to hold on to for A&M, not to mention, I mean, he I mean, if if you watched the state championship game, you know, the caliber of player Terry Bussey can be. Uh, but I, I, I did think it was interesting. Mike Elko noted like, hey, he made it a point to say, look, Terry's a talented kid, but he's not going to put all this pressure on him coming in. I mean, look, two A football, a little different than the SEC, but I mean, the, the skill set is there for him to possibly turn into a very talented football player for the Aggies in the next couple years. And that, that goes back a little bit into that um, uh, chill kind of, uh, uh, you know, not not into a whole lot of the fanfare kind of uh, personality that he has. And, and Mike Elko said that he said he would that that he told Bussy he, he was going to do this, that, that he would do it for him to kind of take the, the little bit of the, the pressure off uh, of him. But if everything goes to plan how they're planning on using him, and if everything goes to plan with the kind of talent that he has, he's going to be a player that is unlike A&M has seen in, in a while. I mean, he's going to not be like a Travis Hunter two-way where it's every snap of the game, both sides, but he's going to be a two-way player for the Aggies. He's probably somewhere between how A&M used Anaya Smith and where Travis Hunter is. Right, but they never used Anaya Smith on the defensive side right. of the That's ball. That's why I'm saying he's somewhere in between. Right, right. right. And so he's primarily, Mike Elko said, going to be looked at as a cornerback, um, but he has the ability, he will probably be Anaya Smith's replacement on punt return and or kick return uh depending on where they can best use him there and then they're gonna have some wrinkles on offense that um some plays some schemes that that gets the ball in his hands on the offensive side of the ball he played quarterback at timpson uh threw for over 700 yards in his career ran for over 600 yards uh had over 140 touchdowns combined uh for that Uh, broke the state record on any classification for passing touchdown in a state title game and then broke the two-way record for rushing title uh rushing touchdown in a in a two-way title game yeah he had like a it was like it was he had over a 95 yard touchdown pass and then over a 95 yard touchdown it was run 97 i believe on the touchdown pass and 93 <laughs> on the touchdown okay. run yeah so uh he, he he is he was an under armor all-american played in the Poly, uh, polynesian bowl um he, he has the the stats to be the real deal, um, and to be something that A&M hasn't seen in a long time because of his ability to be on both sides of the ball. Seems like a good kid. Like we said, engineering, uh, wants to be do engineering. So, uh, a, a smart kid, um, it's something that him and Anaya Smith had in common. I don't think Anias ever actually got, went into the engineering program. He decided something else when he got here, but when they were looking at schools, it was between Duke and A&M. And uh, he ended up picking A and M because he he at that time thought he wanted to get into engineering. So uh, some similarities there. Pretty pretty soft spoken. Doesn't have a lot to say. Here's the other fun fact and a little bit into his background. You know, a lot of um, there was a lot of chatter with um, uh, 
he, uh, around the state title game about his his background. His he was uh, raised by a single mm. mother. Um, she died when he was a freshman. The uh, uh, the principal uh, Jared Campbell there at Timpson and his family, you know, took him in and he became their his legal legal guardian uh, or, or is his guardian uh, in in that sense. And um, so the principal was involved with his recruitment, going on his visits. Very, very, very similar story to Nick Scorton, who transferred into A&M, was here at Bryan High School, transferred in from Purdue, uh, had some family issues, and uh, the Boobins, Lane Boobin, the the principal over there, their family kind of took him in and supported him uh, in that. The crazy part about it is they're distant relatives, Scorton really? and Bussy. They, they are cousins that they can't quite work out, but they know that they're they're cousins and, and know of each other. Huh. Uh, and so to have not only be related, but have that kind of a similar story like that is pretty interesting. And they're ex- and, and Bussy said he's going to be pretty excited to, to play with me. He laughed and said, yeah, we're cousins. We don't look like like each other because, you know, Scorton's like he's huge, six, you know, <laughs> five. They almost 300 pounds. Listed at 6'4", 280. 280. So, uh, <laughs> and and uh, uh, Bussy's 5'11". And 190. 190. So he said, yeah, we don't look a lot alike, but uh, we're, we're cousins, and he's excited to get to play with them. Well, there you go. Hey, AM signed two other guys yesterday. Or, yeah, I guess it was yesterday. Today's Thursday. What is uh, time anymore? Yeah, what is time? Ashton Bethel Roman, of course, uh, from Ridgepoint High School in Missouri City. He had signed with Arkansas back in December, but... Uh, was let out of his letter of intent. Anum came back around and and got him to sign. So I think Baylor was uh, involved in that one a little bit as well. Then, yeah, that's not surprising. And then uh, Robert Borden, uh, Bordon, I think is Robert uh, Borden is our, yeah. our opinions editor. <laughs> there <Kevin>. you go, <laughs> Robert Bordon. Uh, I think that's how Elko pronounced it. From Collier Collierville, Tennessee. I looked that up. It's I think it's in the Memphis area, and uh, he's an offensive tackle, big guy, six six three oh five. He had been committed to Duke, and then when Elko came to A&M, he decided to decommit, didn't sign in December, came and visited A&M, committed, and then inked with the Aggies yesterday. So, look, pretty pretty uh, straightforward signing day yesterday, but, um, you know, A&M kind of addressing some needs across the board. A&M, I think, is in a much better place numbers-wise and depth-wise going into spring practice than they were last year. It, they're actually over the scholarship count right now. And I mean, you look at where AM went through uh, with the portal and some of their early signees, I mean, really hit defensive back hard, both at corner and safety. We knew that was an area AM was probably going to try and bolster. And uh, they, they, they kind of took and pieced together guys from, from all over the place. And so, Spring practice will be fun seeing how competitions shake out and who's going to be stepping up. Yeah, we've seen this in sports like baseball and particularly is the one that I see where you might carry um, more uh, more than the, 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 allow, the roster limit that you have into fall ball um, to try to work some guys out and then ultimately kind of make some cuts uh, and, and, and do that. Um, now with the, the spring slash summer transfer window, um, I think there's coaches are getting a little bit smarter on how they do this and understand that there there's going to be no matter who you are there's going to be a little bit of attrition in that spring summer window you might have a few guys who who got beat out in spring summer 
uh, look for a new home for the fall. And uh, that way you will still have right on the close to the numbers that you want to have um, to make up for some of some guys leaving that, that don't get the, the spots they want in the spring. So interesting. They, they do that. We'll be curious to see if they do this in the future, because, you know, he said there, they were more Elko said there were more transfer heavy uh, this year than they probably plan on ever being uh, in the future because of how many people they lost with the coaching change and, and all of that stuff. So we'll be interested to see if that's a method that they use moving forward of bringing in or whether it be through high school recruiting or the transfer portal, um, a few extra guys to make up for maybe a little bit of attrition that happens in that uh, spring summer, because uh, for the most part, you're not necessarily the spring summer portal window now is not probably going to be as um, talent rich as uh, the winter portal is uh, in the future. This is going to be the, the depth portal um, position. So yeah, you go through spring ball, man, we need a linebacker. Go and get a guy you think might be able to come in and provide some depth kind of deal. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uncanny, and I know you and some other people are going to roll your eyes. It's uncanny how much college football has settled in to feeling a lot like international club soccer. Uh, you have two transfer windows. They're literally called transfer windows. Uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of parallels in that um, for anybody who is – a club soccer fan, you know, the, the, the winter window is going to be a lot more like the summer transfer window and the when and the, the summer transfer window in football is going to be a lot more like the winter transfer window in, in soccer. So um, just interested to see how that all plays out. Fair enough. Well, Hey, we also got to hear from Mike Elko yesterday for the first time in quite a while, honestly, was there anything that he said uh, maybe aside from signing day and, and where the roster stands that really stuck out to you? You know, he, he he punted on a few questions, which was interesting. I, I was curious to see kind of his thoughts on when he knew about Ross Bjork was going to leave. I mean, Ross Bjork kind of issued a, an apology of sorts to him when his kind of introductory press conference up at Ohio State, um, when he knew about that and, and what he would like to see in an AD. Because as he joked, you know, doesn't matter what I do right now. I don't have a boss. Uh, and uh, so, but he, he didn't really want to, get into to any of that um he, he did address the fact that they, they're they have more scholarship players right now than probably they will uh in the fall and kind of letting that play out and that you know it, it you just don't realize how hectic this these few months of the year are especially for a coaching staff just coming in with uh, maintaining your and, and, and re-recruiting your own roster to recruiting the transfer portal to putting together a staff to putting together the final touches on the 2024 recruiting class and the fact that you know he was asked about what what is he what is he looking for and hoping for for the fans for the spring game and he's like I don't know man like as long as we have fans in the stands for Notre Dame in the fall that. I haven't even gotten to to think about that and of course saying all this in a in a really cordial uh jovial way uh but the fact there's just there's a lot going on in that program and uh they they they're finally getting around to kind of getting to think about the roster that they have, um, the what spring ball is going to kind of look like and feel like, what that spring game is going to look like and feel like, and getting into summer workouts and everything. Um, the, the, their roster is in place for the most part, and they can uh, start to think about those things in the future. So that's kind of what stuck out to me the most. I don't know what uh, – I, I will also admit I had been up for like 
working for a, a long time going out to Timpson and didn't get a whole lot of sleep the night before in trying to get out there. And so I was I was a little bit of a zombie at that point, that press conference. What stood out to you uh, in that? Yeah, you know, I think it just is very evident that they have put in so much time just being out and trying to get the roster where they want it, whether that be getting guys through the portal, you know, trying to finish up on 2024 class. He said they were behind in the 2025 class. I know they just had a big junior day uh, here recently, but, you know, it kind of made it seem like, you know, this next week is really when he's going to start being around the building on a more consistent day-to-day basis. Basically made it sound like Tommy Moffat and his crew have kind of been running the show on a day-to-day basis while some of these coaches are out going and, and trying to get these guys to, to fill out a roster. And, you know, he had a lot of praise for uh, Moffat and his crew, kind of a, you know, a, a hodgepodge guys that, you know, hadn't really worked together before, but it sounds like maybe he's starting to get some cohesion together that, that has been well-received around the program. Yeah, I talked to, to Tommy Moffat before uh, the bowl game. Right. Uh, and before he kind of really took grasp of the of his program and, and the program. And the, it's kind of an interesting, and it makes sense why he would kind of be running things. A, because that's kind of the nature of of what's going on right, right. now is strength and off season workouts. But B, since he has been kind of away from football for two years, he's had two years to kind of reformulate and think about uh, where they are as a uh, uh, where he is as kind of a, a leader of of a strength and conditioning program. And and so he's while Mike Elko and them are trying to piece together the roster, the coaching staff, uh, how who's going to work in what roles and stuff. In his little world, he's had two years to kind of put together and hit the ground running on some of this stuff. So it makes sense that that he would be, I don't want to say the most prepared because they're all prepared, but but had the most time to kind of think through where he wants to be and, and what he wants to be doing with his strength program and, and, and how that relates on to the bigger program as well. Well, yeah. And, you know, someone who's been out of it, maybe a little refreshed, recharged, you know, you mm-hmm. can kind of have that burst of energy while some of these guys who are just trying to scramble around and, and get things in order are, are doing stuff kind of behind the scenes on the ground. You have someone that is, is, is eager to get out there and, and get going uh, uh, right then and there and in, in bright. And, and to, to my point as well, and, and dovetailing off of that, mm-hmm. it's not like he's just been sitting around hunting and fishing. I mean, he, he went into a deep dive into, uh, learning about other programs, talking to high school coaches, sure. talking to other college coaches. He tr- kind of traveled the country. He started a podcast and interviewed a lot of people. And he said it, it wasn't necessarily that he needed to add on to what he already knew or revamp his program, but it was kind of that, uh, you know, sharpening a, a knife kind of thing that he realized, okay, s- most of the the parts of my program that I like still work, are still industry standard, are still uh, used by a lot of coaches. There's some technological advances that he's learned about and are adding into uh, the program, but it kind of sharpened his resolve that that the way he does things is is mostly right and, uh, and, and kind of got him back into uh, kind of a checks and balances on his program that he hasn't had and been able to do because of the grind. Uh, so, so he has been grinding. It's just looked a little different than the grind of um, – uh, being an in-season football strength and sure. conditioning coach. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and talk a little a and men's hoops. The Aggies trying to work their way off the bubble 
as we head into February. We're back on the My Nation podcast. Travis, AM Hoops, can they find a way to get it going? Uh, we'll see. They've won four out of the last five, and uh, now comes a big home game at home against top 10 Tennessee, top of the conference. I don't know, Travis. What are you thinking? Yeah, this is going to be a... a <laughs> I, you don't want to put too much weight on it because it is a huge game. If A and M wins, um, this can completely change the the makeup of what their resume is. But it's not a game that they're necessarily uh, picked to win. And if they lose, it's not. Oh my gosh, the 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 NCAA tournament is out of the picture. I think when when most bracketologists are looking and and formulating their mock brackets and looking at where teams will be when the end of the season. I don't think any of them have A&M winning this game. So when you look at Joe Lenardi or uh, some of these people that have A&M on the bubble, they have them on the bubble uh, projecting that they'll probably lose this game. Ken Palm has them losing this game. Bart Torvik has them uh, losing this game. So it would be like uh, icing on the cake for the A&M basketball team and A&M fans if they could win this game. Um, but I don't think it's the end of the world if they lose it because I don't think anybody necessarily has them uh, winning this game. It's the games like they need to win against South Carolina coming down, who is a really hot South Carolina. They need to win uh, against Georgia down the line. They need to beat Vanderbilt. They need to beat uh, some of these teams that are under them. Those would be the really detrimental games um, to, to lose coming down the line when it comes to getting them in the NCAA tournament. Um, this is uh, a, a good test game coming up uh, this weekend. I think this next five-game stretch is going to be critical. February seems to be where Buzz's teams have kind of hit their stride the last couple years, and it's looking like this A&M team is starting to show signs that they might be headed that way. This five-game stretch is booked in, book-ended by games against Tennessee, obviously at home this Saturday. In a couple weeks, they go and play in Knoxville. Between there, of course, they got a home game against Arkansas. They go at Alabama. That's going to be a tough place to play. And then they get another road game at Vanderbilt, a team you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, Anum's finally over 500 in conference play after a pretty tough start, a couple of bad losses to LSU and Arkansas who have really struggled. But, you know, something that I've noticed is that Man, Tyrese Radford, the last two games, he has been consistent and and he has been a scorer. And that's something we've talked about in the past is can somebody step up and kind of compliment Wade Taylor in a way that, you know, AM's got multiple options on a consistent basis. Tyrese Radford has been and, and can be an elite talent in, in the SEC. He hasn't shown he he shoot he showed showed that his first season at AM when he shot over 40% from three-point range, and then came back last year and shot over 30% um, from three-point range as well. This season has been a struggle, and I think a lot of people want to point to his three-point percentage as one of the reasons why he's he's really struggled this year. In reality, the, the thing that helps A&M the most the last two years in the way that they play offense is his ability to get to the rim score and have a high percentage of scoring layups at the rim and then also getting fouled and having being one of the top 
two in free throw percentage in the SEC last year was what really helped A&M. He got hurt in that Florida Atlantic game, and Buzz Williams finally kind of shed enough light in the sense that he said with both Henry, uh, Henry Coleman and Tyrese Radford, they've been on the mend. I mean, Tyrese Radford, for all medical purposes, is cleared and 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 close to as close to 100 percent as any player's going to be, be at this time of the season. But when you suffer torso injuries uh, and and contact injuries, um, there might just be a little bit of that mental hesitation. It, I, I equate it to um, uh, when a pitcher has Tommy John that first season coming back and throwing a slider, throwing uh, those pitches that really put strain on the elbow. Sometimes that, that, that breaking pitch, that hard um, slider just isn't there the season because they're just, it's, it's not even like they're thinking like, Oh my gosh, what if I, you know, bust my elbow again? It's just that there's, there's a tentativeness there that they just have to break through. Uh, and sometimes it's just continuing to play and get experience and knowing like, okay, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm not going to be in pain again. Getting their mind subconsciously through that. And I think that's what Boots, uh, what, what Tyrese Radford has been going through, at least according to what, what wait, uh, um, Buzz Williams said. Uh, and it, it shows because he is more aggressive in initiating contact when he gets to the rim. Uh, and when he gets to the rim, he's has the, the wherewithal to kind of see his points on the. I mean, he made a great shot to start out. Uh, I think it was uh, the game last night where he was kind of going down and he was a little bit outside the lane and banked the shot off one-handed, kind of a, a hook shot type thing, um, was really good. And he's continuing to increase his percentage at the free throw line. That's that kind of support that you that, that Wade Taylor needs um, to be able to, to manage the offense better and not have to feel the weight of the world. Uh, on his shoulders to 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 pull in a and m wins. So I think having Tyrese Radford back is 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 a key. The other thing about this too is uh, when you look at uh, the efficiency metrics, a and m's defense has gotten a and m's offense has, yeah, fallen off. I mean, they were as high as in the top five in the country coming through non-conference play, but their defense was like would be outside the top one hundred. Uh, they were letting teams they were they were going into games like like for instance that Houston game was kind of a boat race it was a, a little bit of a shootout um, but their defense has gotten exponentially better as they've gone through conference play to the point where it's almost inside top fifty um, they're they're both their offense and their defense are right at uh, the 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 fifth top fifty mark uh, in offensive and defensive efficiency and their defense has been able to help them play better offense. So that's another thing to look at is, yeah, the offense has tailed off and has been ugly at times, but the defense has been a lot better uh, for this team moving forward. And and as any of the Ken Palms or the uh, analytics people know, you need to be in definitely inside the top 50. And it even helps more to be inside the top 30. If you're going to be a real deep run NCAA tournament chance, the, the, the numbers match up with that. Well, Anum's defense is going to have to be sharp on Saturday because they're playing Dalton Connect, mm -hmm. uh, the guy who you know Anum's got the preseason SEC Player of the Year. Well, Tennessee's probably got the guy who's going to end up being the SEC Player of the Year when the season ends. And, and in all reality, Tennessee has a lot more to play for in this game because um, they are looking to try to get in on that one line 
action. They had a loss already to South Carolina, um, which it would turning out to be a better loss than than probably it was maybe looking at at, at first. But they, you know they need to keep winning ball games if they want to have aspirations to be a one line a one seed. Uh, team in this NCAA tournament. So in essence, you might argue that they have more to play for in this game, but you're right. Dalton connect is, is, is been uh, the, the, the highlight of, I think he's averaging over 25 points in, in his last handful of games or so. Um, and it's going to be a handful um, for, for a, this A&M defense uh, to, to look at. It'll, I mean, he's probably going to be the guy that Solomon Washington guards um, you would you would think because of his ability to to defend, um, and he's going to be uh, that. You know, you look at what the game last night. Solomon Washington he had two fouls in the first three minutes of the game. Yeah, he and, had to sit for a while and had to sit for a while. Um, they're going to go after Solomon Washington with him and try to get him into foul trouble. He's got to be smart in this game uh, to stay on the floor because beyond Solomon Washington. Jace Carter at times has proven he could be an okay uh, defender and an okay replacement, but but once you get past him, they might have to put Radford on him. I, I don't know who matches up well against him. Um, Do you put Andy on him, maybe? Yeah, but Andy, you you want you don't want Andy way out on the perimeter. Yeah, he's gonna, but you don't you don't want Andy to be the primary defender on the guy that's gonna drive. You want him to be the secondary defender to get himself into position to get those defensive rebounds. Sure. Uh, in, in fact, if you look, one of the changes and Buzz Williams on the radio show talked a lot about how they've kind of changed how they play defense against Florida and that carried over into the Missouri game and I believe a lot of that is having Andy as more of the the what they call the low man he's kind of the help defender down low um, and that enables him to, to be down there a little bit more of a primary rebounder. Usually, I mean, th- that can rotate because they're a little bit, uh, especially when, when A&M gets into rotation, but that was a little bit more of Henry Coleman's role before, and Anderson Garcia has slotted into that. So in essence, he's the down-low defender sure. in their defense, and you don't really want to pull him out of that. If Solomon Washington were to get into foul trouble and you pull him into that role, that would completely mess with the entire formation of how they've been playing defense lately. I don't think you want to do that. So a, a, a key to watch in that game is if Solomon Washington can stay out of foul trouble. Well, and Robert Sessna, our sports editor, he pointed out that, you know, in the second half, AM kind of switched up that defense like you were talking about, playing kind of more of a zone. And Florida really stopped being so hot shooting threes. And I don't think Missouri was knocking them down like crazy last night either. Tennessee's a team, they can they can knock down some threes, and that's where that's where some uh, an area AM's probably gotta look out for. I definitely thought last Saturday was probably Solomon Washington. It could have been one of his best games of the year. He was really sharp on both ends of the court uh, against Florida, in my opinion. Yeah, and has shown a little bit, both him and Anderson Garcia, while they're certainly not uh, going to be the guys who uh, are back to the basket post with um, a high scoring line, um, they've shown more propensity to engage themselves in scoring and not just be defensive rebounding guys. I mean, Garcia had five assists in that game, which is a career high. He is a great passer from the, from the post. Um, but he has shown willingness to get the ball, take a couple dribbles and make a post move to get to the post more akin to what 
Henry Coleman has kind of made a name for of himself. The other thing, too, that to note coming into this game is Henry Coleman did get hurt at the end or midway through the second half of that Missouri game. After the game, Buzz Williams said that it's not the same injury that he suffered in Kentucky against Kentucky that kept him out for a game and had a slow build back into play. It's a different injury. It wasn't the same hit. Um, so he said he thinks because of that, he'll be in quotes, okay. But I don't know if that means he is going to be okay for moving on in the season or if he's going to be okay for Tennessee. And that'll be another factor. But in essence, I mean, Henry is a key cog to everything they have to do, but he has faded into the background as Solomon Washington and Anderson Garcia have proven their value both defensively uh, and in the rebounding game. And what they've been able to, they're not going to have the same offensive production as Henry Coleman, but you, I would argue you can't pull Garcia or Solomon Washington off the floor because of what they bring defensively. And for as good as, as, Wade Taylor is offensively for AM. Solomon Washington is that defensively for AM. AM's going to have to play sharp. They're going to have to play smart. They're going to have to play in control if they want a chance to beat Tennessee. That's a team that's going to take a full 40 minutes if you want to come out with a win. If they, with how good Tennessee is offensively, it's going to be really important for AM to make layups and to hit their free throws, not only just because that's how they supplement their scoring, but when they score the ball, they're able to line up in that one, two, two transitional uh, uh, trap defense. And in years past, they've used that to try to get steals to be high pressure. Uh, they still can get some of that, but this year in particular, a lot of it just is to run time off the shot clock to where teams who are good offensively have less time to work with to work through their offensive sets. Uh, and and they get once you get deeper in the shot clock, uh, field goal percentages go down for just about any team. So a lot of it is just and that's one of the reasons why AM is a low, uh, slow pace team, a low uh, possession per game team is because they want the opposing offenses to have to slow down their game a little bit and, and uh, work meticulously through the shot clock. I think that'll be important in this game. Hey, did you see Wilden's Levesque on the drums ahead of the Missouri game? It was um, pretty impressive. It was, it was pretty good how he just picked it up and, you know, was rattling off a beat. It was but pretty what funny. Was better? What was better? Wilden's Levesque on the, the kit or Anderson Garcia as hype dance guy behind. Because that was, was pretty funny. That was pretty solid too. I don't know which one was better. I mean, Wilden's Levesque was was pretty good on it, on the the ones and twos. You know, Buzz Williams, of course. That's, every time that's DJ, once yeah. you know, I mean the uh, the the kit, the kit. Mm. We'll call it that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Buzz Williams when Anum wins road games, he posts a little you know culture picture or whatever. Mm -hmm. Did you notice Anderson Garcia was you know playing you know playing dead on on the ground that's that's kind of usually his yeah. his, his <laughs> they they always would make fun of him the andy's coming thing is for how he would usually take charges kind of looked like like woody from toy uh -huh. story falling down when andy uh, uh the the kid came in so um yeah it's kind of fits his mo a little bit <sighs> well you got anything else on anim hoops travis yeah you know I, I i i'm not putting a whole lot of stock in this game, it's going to be a good test to see, you know, Buzz Williams mentioned that he expects them to shoot at a higher percentage from from the field. They did that against Missouri. They did that against Florida. Um, the, the Missouri at 48 percent was the sec third highest 
field goal percentage of the season. They're never going to be a high three-point shooting team. That You can just eliminate that out. But to see how they progress there, he believes they're going to be a better free throw shooting team. So to see how the free throw they shot, I want to say it was 71% last night, which was good. Real, I mean, he, he, I think he wants them better around than 75. <laughs> he wants them around 75%. Um, so I think to see how that improves uh, will be as Im- important as well. But in the grand scheme of things, if they do ultimately lose this game, I don't think it it's going to hurt much. It's a quad one loss. It's a quad one A lo- loss. They're like six in the net. Uh, right now so it's it's you don't want to get blown out but it's not going to affect their ultimate goal of getting into the NCAA tournament that much now if they win it's going to help them a ton get in they 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 need to take advantage of quad one wins when they can to get them out of that kind of bubble conversation but a loss isn't going to be hugely detrimental unless they just get absolutely shellacked well you might remember last Saturday, there was a girl who walked on the court and made a half court shot. Her name's Liz Twist, and she came in studio earlier this week to talk about making the shot and uh, maybe getting to meet Buzz Williams. So here's Liz Twist talking about the shot heard around Aggieland. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? This is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle, and I'm alongside Liz Twist, who is a, a local celebrity now. You, you might recognize her as uh, the lady who hit the half-court shot during the men's A&M men's basketball game uh, when, uh, was it 1000 bucks? It was. It was 1000 bucks. Liz, welcome. Uh, first, let's, let's get a little background on you. Uh, what do you do in town? Uh, are you a student? What, what's your background uh, just here in town? Yeah, first. First, thank you for having me. Yeah. This is awesome. Uh, second of all, um, yeah, I have been living in College Station for two years. I moved here two years ago. Um, I actually do online school. Um, through Liberty University. Cool. Um, but all my roommates, I have four roommates. They're awesome. I, um, we've been living together for two years. Um, they go to A&M. So I'm like right in the midst of, <laughs> right in the middle of all of the, the fun, uh, like Aggie um, sports events and stuff. Um, I, I coach at Welborn University, or Welborn Middle School. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm a little <laughs> nervous. This is crazy. Uh, Welborn Middle School. Um, I coach and I teach there. I uh, work full time, do school online. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. And, and the random eagle connection is that you teach with our sports editor here, Robert Cessna. You teach with his daughter, yes. Kimmy Cessna, like yes. in the same room. In the same so room. So it's a really small world yes, here. Yes, very small. What, what do you coach? Um, I coached volleyball, um, and now I'm coaching basketball. We have our last game this Thursday. Um, and then I'll coach track. Okay, so you're, so you're a ringer is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you play basketball in high school? I did. I did. And you're from Kerrville, Tyvee. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, did you I mean, did you do multiple sports? or? Mm-hmm. I played basketball and I played softball. Ah, gotcha, yes. gotcha. Yes. So if you're going to school online but you're living here and teaching, are you mm-hmm. like Aggie fan adjacent? or Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. They, I got roped in. Um, and I, yeah, basically. Gotcha. I, I'm an Aggie. <laughs> what what uh what do you, how many men's basketball games, sporting events do you usually go to? Um, that was actually, I think the second one that I had been to. Um, 
I went. I go to a lot of football games, but mm-hmm. that's the first, like the second time I've ever been to a basketball game. Okay, so now let's get into the process. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get picked to all of a sudden be the person on the court? So they actually have this QR code that you scan. Um, and I took a picture of it and I scanned it. I probably like 10 times. <laughs> I was like, I really want to do this. I saw somebody do it, uh, the previous week and I was like, no, that'd be really cool. That'd mm-hmm. be really cool to try. Um, so I just, I had all my friends, uh, put my name, put my name on, like on the QR code. I had them scan it, put my name and they picked me. That's funny. <laughs> so, so having played basketball in high school, you, you've probably messed around and thrown, some half court shots. Oh, what, yeah, what's your yeah. usual <laughs> hit rate on on the half court shot? Oh, I I don't think I can give you one. We <laughs> we used to play a lot of games, my friends and I, um, a lot of three point contests, and then we would turn it into like half court contests. But we would we just messed around a lot. I don't know. Um, what position did you play? Were you were you a guard? Did you <laughs> heave up the three pointers or? <laughs> no. I was a post. Can you believe it? <laughs> I am actually uh, I'm five what seven five eight on a good day. Um, I'm a post. <laughs> okay, that, nice, nice. Um, um, yeah. So, so the, uh, you you got called, picked. How? how mm-hmm. When did you know that you were going to be going down there? And what was that process like? Yeah. So they texted me. But funny story. I actually, my friends and I, we we prank each other a lot. So I thought that my friends were pranking me. <laughs> so I got the text message, and it was like, "Hey, you've been picked uh, for the half court shot. Like, please come to the fan zone." And I I looked at it. I looked at the text. And I looked at my friends, and I was like, "Funny joke." Like who's pranking me right now? I was like, "Fess up, y'all are being crazy. Like this is this is just a joke. There's no way." And they were like, "Liz, we're we're not kidding. Like you need to quit being like." They didn't call me an idiot, but they wanted to. Um, and then I got another text, and it said, "Hey, your spot has been filled because uh, you didn't respond uh, in a fast enough time." So. Uh, um, like enjoy the game and I texted them I said no I'm on my way and I called them and I was like I'm running I'm running to you I'm coming I want to do it <laughs> so did you did you tell them that like you didn't think it was real yes, at first yes yes I did I did I was like I thought they were pranking me and whatever but okay yeah, so you, you, you go out there I mean do you, do you have are you formulating a strategy in your head you know some oh people go overhand baseball some people get the running like did you did you have a strategy did you think about that or was it just kind of like natural okay if i'm being honest uh i prayed so much before going out there <laughs> i was just in prayer i had my friends pray i had my mom pray i was like just please uh honestly just i was praying that I would not be anxious. I was like, Lord, like I need you to just take my anxiety away because I'm about to be in front of a lot of people. It's intimidating. Um, and I also pray that I don't airball. <laughs> I didn't want to airball. So, so full full disclosure here. When I was in college, I didn't go to AM, I went to another school, but when I was in college, I got picked to do the half court mm-hmm. shot too. But I had a little more, it was like a there was one contest and then the finalist for that got out of that got picked for mm-hmm, the half court. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that there was a chance I was gonna be picked. So I went and like practiced. Yeah. Like I <laughs> had some reps and stuff. And then I still went out there and airballed. So in my mind, anytime <laughs> I see someone go out to do that, I'm like <sighs> you're gonna airball it like you're always just you're not warm yeah like so so but you did the opposite like you did you the bank was open it was it was it was open walk through walk through the 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 release the Mm. the form Mm. the when did you know like the whole moment walk through it all okay so i'll start at the beginning in high school uh our coach used to make us visualize our layups and our free throws we would we would have us like three minutes to do that so Mm. 
honestly, I was kind of ready. I was visualizing like the whole first half. I was ready. I uh, just kept watching the ball go in the go in the, <laughs> in the rim. It sounds cheesy, but I was actually doing it. Yeah. Um, I I got up. She handed me the ball. They they told me that I could not cross the line. So like I was really thinking about not crossing the line. I was like I can't have to make sure that I don't don't step on the line. Um, they handed me the ball and I dribbled it, and it the ball felt flat. So I was thinking about that. Honestly, I wasn't thinking about the shot at all. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking about. <laughs> I just reared up and shot it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just shot it and it went in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much do you like remember <laughs> what happened in those? Because, you know, sometimes big, mm-hmm. big events like that, you kind of black out. How much yeah. do you remember that and the time right after it, too? Um, I remember walking on the court. I remember having the ball in my hands. And I remember it going in and then just jumping in the air. <laughs> I, after that, I blacked out. My, I just like threw my hands in the air, I think. Um, and I, <laughs> no, I blacked out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, was, it was cool, though. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're sitting like the press, you know, the thing is you don't cheer in press row. And so we're all over there watching. And, you know, the, the half court shot always gets everybody's attention, mm-hmm. right? So we're mm-hmm. over there just watching. And all of us just like grabbed each other. Like, oh, my gosh, it just went in. <laughs> And we're like, oh, and so you, you, you brought the press to actually make noise on press row. So that's an impressive feat in itself. Um, when you were uh, right afterwards, I mean, did you I know you said you kind of blacked out, but did you did you see any of the team? Did you see any reactions? What what do you remember? If anybody told you anything while you're walking off? Uh, no, I just I just remember I remember giving uh, the yell leaders high fives. Okay. Um, I don't even know which yell leaders. I was just giving them high fives, and I remember walking off. I put my head down because <laughs> I didn't want people to like. <laughs> I didn't want to look at people. <laughs> um, and I walked off the court, and um, I I I really was not thinking anything. <laughs> when, when did it sink in? Like, oh, I I did that. Uh, I I think when I got back to my friends. Yeah. Uh, I ran ran up to them and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that just happened!" And they we were they showed me the video that they had and it like finally. Sunk where, in. where were you and your friends sitting? Uh, we were in the student section, um, in section like one fifteen. Okay, kind of pretty close to the floor. We wanted to get there early. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so we could be pretty close. So to the floor. so since then, what? Well, well, we'll just go with this first. Since then, how many people have have reached out, texted, talked to, and what's maybe? We'll, we'll we'll leave maybe the buzz thing for for a second. But yeah. besides the head coach, who, have you had any like crazy people reach out and be like, "Oh my gosh"? Uh, yeah, I've actually. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of my friends, a lot just a lot of people that I know have reached out. Um, but just a lot of like people want to like a lot of interviewers are like, "Well, that's really cool. Like, <laughs> we want to talk to you." And I'm like, "Whatever, you know, that's uh, that's fun and exciting." But um, I mean, yeah, just a lot of people. I've my phone. Uh, was blowing up for sure. It's had, calmed down. Have now. you made a shot this big in your life before? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think so. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now we'll we'll advance it to it got brought up during the press conference mm-hmm. after the game, and uh, Buzz was talking about uh, wanted to know some of the details. Mentioned you're from Kerrville, Tyvee, and yeah. there's there's someone else that's from there that is famous yeah. around A and M. But yeah. right now, Liz <laughs> is the, you know the most famous because of recency <laughs> bias. I know add a little fun when like a student and the overalls were a bonus but uh, makes a half court shot and yeah you know you, what was that during the last ato or was that during the next to last ato I think next, next to last, to last. Yeah. 
yeah, I knew something was going on that was great entertainment <laughs> because um, I think I think at the what what was the score? I think it was a one possession game uh, in that last ATO. But in that last ATO, Brent, we had already used all of our timeouts. Is that right? And so I'm trying to explain to our guys because uh, no matter how long they've been here, that's never happened since I've worked at Texas A&M. So I'm trying to explain to them, guys, you can't call a timeout on like a scrum, like how Solo used that last timeout. You can't do that. That's going to be a technical. So I'm trying to explain to them, guys, we, we don't have any timeouts. The next time I'm going to see is under four. And whatever, what happened? Somebody made she, a half. She banked it off the half-court <laughs> shot. A female? Yes. And what does she win? Thousand bucks. Jmo, that's all we can give them. <laughs> Seriously. Was she a student? Yeah. Kerrville. Say it again. Kerrville. 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 Yeah. And now, and now, where? Did she go to Kerrville Tivy or Kerrville High? And Kerrville is where Shriner University is. Well, if she's listening, which she's not, come see me. I'll, I'll match the gift from Texas A&M. Surely we can do better than that, J-Mo. I'll, I'll, sorry, sweetheart. Just to lighten the mood. Just to lighten the mood of everything. Uh, what was your reaction when you? How, how did that get brought to your attention? And what was your first reaction when you heard that? Yeah. Um, I think somebody sent me the tweet. They were like, look at this. I, I think it was my mom. I th I'm pretty sure it was my mom. She was like, look at this, Liz. Uh, I, I can't believe it. Like, you, the coach said this, and uh, it was just, I don't know. I was just awestruck. I was not expecting it. I thought it was, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's cool. It's, it's cool that just we all get to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, he's coaching. I'm just making a little half-court shot, but it's just, it's cool that, I mean, it's just a big community. Because I, uh, I write, like, one check per nine years. Yeah. That's the first check I've written. Let me just add this. He's good for it. Actually, actually, the check that I wrote you, the checkbook is in the bag that was my Virginia Tech business bag. That's how long it's been since I... Like, I don't like chicks. Well, I, I, I really just... I and so how did you get to the show? Oh, you were just coming here to the interview? Well, no, I really, I just wanted to say hi. I don't know. I don't when, you, when you went back and watched the video, and I'm sure you've seen your friends' videos mm -hmm, and the screen mm -hmm. and maybe some of the, the TV broadcast or some of the other stuff, has anything stood out to you from reactions of people or anything that you've watched back on the video other than just you making the shot? I thought it was cool how everybody, usually like on a free throw, when all the, when the whole student section like holds up the uh -huh. triangle, uh, I thought it was cool they did that. I didn't even notice they did that until I rewatched a video, mm. but um, it, it just, it's fun like getting to see everybody like throw their hands up and be like, oh my gosh. And I mean, even me, I jumped in the air. I, I didn't even know I jumped in the air. Right, right. <laughs> and because I, you know, when I looked back and watched it, you have like, two or three of the Florida players who were standing right mm -hmm. there on that mm -hmm. side kind of turned around and kind of gave you a little yeah. golf clap and everything like that, which I thought was pretty funny yeah, too. Cool. Um, so uh, have you have you made contact with Buzz at all or anything like that to set up this 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 meeting or whatnot? Yes. Um, I, I'm pretty sure his assistant, somebody who works for uh, the men's basketball program, they reached out to me. 
Um, and I'm, I think I'm actually going to go see him later today. Hopefully get a snag a picture with him. That's really um, cool. But yeah, I just, yeah, he's, he's an awesome man. Very faithful and just really cool just to see him pour into his students. And that's exciting that I get to go take a picture with him. That's cool. <laughs> and, and like a coach meeting a coach, right? Yes. There yep, you go. Exactly. Um, well, I mean, how, how I, I know we've kind of talked through about this all the way through, but how do you describe the, this last, was it three or four days? Uh, surreal. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, a gift truly I don't I don't deserve any of this and I mean it's it to me it's just silly but it's just it's a blessing really like I, the Lord is faithful and I just um, I just have like I, I, I sound so cheesy but I really have to thank my Lord and Savior like truly I don't deserve any of this and uh, he just takes care of his people and even he just oh, he's overabundant. That's what it is. He, it's just an abundance of of grace. And I just well, thankful. I already had this question in my head, but it almost seems trivial after your response there. But I mean, I guess the obvious last question is: Do, do you have a, a little bit earmarked for what you want to spend it on? Uh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, I told, I was joking with my roommate. Probably not joking now, uh, Lord. But <laughs> I told her I said if I win. I'm not just going to tithe 10% of it. I'm going to tithe 20% of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I'll I'll, I'll tithe some of it and probably, I'll I'll honestly um, put most, like put all of it towards uh, my alternate certification program for teaching. That's cool. Um, Because I'm, I'm doing school uh, and then I'm also doing my alternate certification program so I can start full-time teaching in August. Um, And so it, it's a, it's a pretty penny and that'll, that'll help a lot. And so. we will close out with this. I know we talked about you're a teacher here at, at uh, Wilburn elementary. When you do graduate, get your certificate, what is it that you want to do? Uh, is there a, a certain age range or subject or anything you want to teach? Um, I, I love Wellborn. Uh, I also love high schoolers too. So um, I hopefully Lord willing will stay in the college station ISD um, area. I really like, I just love, all the programs and all of the work and dedication that they put in. Um, so hopefully I'll st- I, I, I plan to stay here, um, whether it's at Wellborn or um, elsewhere, but well, it's not up to me. So we'll figure that one out as it, as it comes. Co- coaching in the future still too. Oh, absolutely. There you absolutely. Go. Coaching basketball, maybe softball, maybe, but basketball for sure. Do you ever need a, you ever need a Perfect. shooting coach? Come, yeah, you can come work camp. <laughs> Let me know. You have my number. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell, tell Luke you want to work camp. There you go. That's Liz Twist uh, here from College Station who hit the half-court shot. Uh, If you're listening on the My Aggie Nation podcast, thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you're watching online, thanks for watching, and be sure to check uh, more Aggie updates on TheEagle.com. And this is the My Aggie Nation podcast. We'll see you next week. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, a way to must have seems. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good love ain't easy, girl, we know that's true. If we want to keep it, we got to watch everything that we do, yeah, yeah. Just want to make sure my baby, make sure you're sticking with me.